Well, you find yourself in Luke chapter 11, have you not? Some of you have. Okay. And you also found yourself to Matthew chapter 6. Have you? Some of you have. Okay. <laughs> I tell you, Wednesday night, y'all are just kind of like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, it hasn't started snowing yet. I know many of you, you have Kroger on your mind. (laughs) You're going to beat the rush, right? (laughs) Now they're calling for bad weather, you know, a little snow, a little ice. But uh, hey, it it might be 70, who knows? So don't get all frazzled about it, okay? Chapter number 11, as I made mention... Uh, we have to also put Matthew 6 in that. And the reason why we have to do this t- t- tonight, now I'm, I'm trying to set, uh, set the stage, set the table. We're going to be looking into this prayer that uh, Jesus uh, talks about, uh, but we've got to kind of build it. So just stay with me. Tonight might be a little more teaching than preaching but I promise you we'll, we'll get rolling here. But I think it's important for us uh, to understand the context of why Jesus said what he said when he was asked the question, okay? Now, we also need to have Matthew 6 kind of side by side with that is because, now, I'm not here to preach a message pertaining to this, but I just think you need to know there are a number of different translations, Right? There's a number of different translations out there. And what we're finding, uh, and this is a, 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 a good point to play. I'm not here to, you know, that's not my, my job tonight is. But you need to be real careful the translation that you're getting. It makes a lot of difference. Because... In this passage of Luke chapter 11 and also Matthew 6, the reason why we need to put it is to give you the full picture because some translations leave quite a bit out of this. And I'll just go ahead and make mention too. The NIV uh, doesn't speak as much on this prayer that Jesus told them to pray or gave them a framework to pray. Also, the ESV gives very limited. Now, I'm I'm not here again. I'm not here to uh, do a message on uh, the right translations or anything like that. That's for another day, another time. I'm just letting you know, be very careful with your translation that you're using. Because it will make a world of difference how you interpret Scripture. And since we're on it, One of the things that I have a problem with with the NIV is when it pertains to the virgin birth of Christ. The NIV does not say a young virgin. It says a young maiden. There is a vast difference. That changes the whole complex of the whole thing because if you take the virgin birth out, you have nothing. Okay, now I know I wouldn't post, but I'm just letting you know. Just be cautious with your translations, okay? 
because it can make a world difference how you interpret Scripture. So we see here uh, in Luke chapter number 11, uh, and we're uh, coming alongside with Matthew chapter 6 as well. Now, I want to go ahead and break down, give you the outline of uh, the 11th chapter. Uh, here again, going through verse 1 through 13. We're not going to go through all 13 verses tonight, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, a rough outline. Uh, in verses 3 through 4, we see that the Lord uh, gives, gives the design or He gives the framework. Okay? That's in verses 3 through 4. In verses 5 through 8, He gives His delight. And we're going to be touching on this later on, okay? And remember that we're going to have to stretch this all over a few weeks. But I really think it's important that we, that we take it kind of slow at first because I want us to understand the context of where we're going and, and what Jesus is, is really saying about prayer. Because I'm telling you, a prayer is important, okay? It's very important, and we want to make sure uh, we're looking to the master prayer and we're following his footsteps. So we have the design, uh, verses 5 through 8, we see the delight. But in verses 9 through 10, we see the decoration. And then in verses 10 through 13, we see uh, the desire. Okay, you got that? So that's the, that's the outline, if you will, of chapter number 11 uh, in Luke. And so, first of all, we've already talked about the comparison and the contrast. Here we see in Luke chapter number 11, and uh, we, we see it is a different situation than you find in Matthew 6. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is asked a question. In Matthew 6, there was no question asked. We also see in Matthew, in Matthew, Matthew uh, was said earlier. So what Jesus had to say uh, about prayer, he wasn't asked and it was also a different setting. Now when you move to chapter number 11, we see that uh, he is asked the question. So in verse number 1 it says, And it came to pass that as he was, talking about Jesus, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, he's done praying now, he, he, he's finished his prayer. And the Bible says, And one of his disciples said unto him. Now it's very important, the question and how he asked the question. By the way, the, the disciple, we do not know who the disciple is. So we're not going to speculate here. But just because this disciple went to ask the question does not mean that the rest of the disciples and it's very highly likely that the other disciples had the same question. Okay? So what's the question? He says unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now notice, he did not ask the Lord, teach us a prayer. Now, it's very important because when we look, because there's different names or titles given to this prayer that we're going to be looking at. Some call it the model prayer. Some have called it the Lord's prayer. 
Notice he did not ask. And, and this is where we really need to, uh, to, to understand. He did not ask, Lord, teach us a prayer. Because there are some who will take this prayer and say, this is how you're supposed to pray. And so they'll pray it every time they pray. If you go to, uh, uh, and, and every once in a while, I'll listen to the, uh, the Catholic broadcast. I don't know why I do that. I just do. Uh, but uh, I'll listen to that, and, and you, they'll have, it'll, it'll go on and on and on. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. He didn't ask for a prayer. He asked, teach us to pray. Now, notice the example that he gives. As John also taught his disciples. Now, the John that he's talking about is John the Baptist. Now, understand, and you, 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 we'll, we'll, we're bringing it all together. You, it's going to make sense to you. John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was not one of the religious elite. He was not one of the self-righteous that Jesus talks about, and we're going to look at that in Matthew 6. John the Baptist was a man crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist is the one that had honey and locusts and, you know, he was an outdoors kind of guy. He was, uh, he was happy to be out in the woods and out away. And so he was not one of the religious elite. He wasn't one of those uh, self-righteous. He, he wasn't in the inner circle of the hierarchy or anything like that pertaining to Judaism. He uh, was a man that felt more comfortable out in the country okay which helps us to understand John the Baptist hung with the common folk ain't nothing wrong with that cause I are one amen, amen? I think many of you can identify with that tonight as well aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus when he came he came to the common folk and so here, the, 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 he's saying, now teach us how to, uh, as, as, as John taught his disciples. Now, look at verse number two. And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, when ye pray. Here again, the word usage here is very important. He didn't say, if you happen to pray. He said, he was saying to them with the understanding that they were already people of prayer. He says, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And verse number three, and give us Day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone. Not just the ones that you want to forgive. He says everyone. Everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. From evil. And so here Jesus, uh, he says, okay, you want to know how to pray. Now I find it interesting, do you not? Is that 
Jesus, watch this, Jesus was by himself. You notice that? Opening verses. Jesus was by himself praying. And the Bible says he was in a certain place. Now, go back to Matthew 6. Different situation. But we see the framework is the same framework as we see here in chapter 11 of Luke. Now, it helps us to understand that this was a prayer that Jesus prayed more than one time. Now, in Matthew 6, he's talking to the hypocrites. He's talking to the religious elite. He's talking to the self-righteous. He goes on in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. Uh, he t- calls them hypocrites. And he's talking about why are they hypocrites? Because he says they are praying very openly, very loudly. And they're doing it all for show. Jesus is rebuking them in Matthew 6. But notice what he says. He says, you don't pray like that, but you, and he says, you go to a secret place. Calls it a closet. Now, do you, do you see the... Now, Brother Mike, you're saying that we can't, we, we're not supposed to, uh, to pray in public. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you what the prayer is, is given the context of. Jesus, in Matthew 6, he's telling them to go to their prayer closet and you don't need to be seen by men. And then he says here in Luke 11, he was by himself and he went to a certain place. Now, you can pray anywhere at any time. I understand that. But it appears to me that something is significant about having a certain place or having a prayer closet that you go to where you and God, you and God get alone. Are you seeing the pattern here? Now, so the question for us tonight is, do you have a certain place that you go to? Do you have, and we've talked about it, remember, in the prayer of Jabez? We said that prayer was intentional. You need to be intentional. I need to be intentional in how we pray when we pray. So, Brother Mike, I I don't really have a, sorry. I, I would challenge you tonight that you will find you a little place that you can just get along with God. And one of my pastors, we, and I'm not going to give you the full details, but uh, God just, just showed me. I'm not, I didn't see visions or anything like that. But God just laid on my heart that we needed a, a, a prayer garden. Now, I'm not saying if you don't have a prayer garden that you're not spiritual. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is God impressed upon me that we would have a place not just for our people but for the little community in which we were that they might come there and just get along with God. Now, I didn't know how it was going to come about. I just knew that God impressed upon that, uh, upon my heart. And on down the road, and uh, it was some time though, but we had a young man in our church. Uh, he was uh, killed in a, um, a motorcycle accident. And that's how that little church 
came up with their prayer garden. It was in uh, a memory of this young man and uh, they did some other things. And here again, not giving you all the detail, but there was many times when I would be in my office and I could look out to that prayer garden and there would be people that wouldn't, uh, I have never seen coming to our church, but they would drive up and they would just kind of get along. They didn't know anybody was watching them and uh, nobody was around, but they would drive up to that little prayer garden and I saw some of them would kneel, some of them uh, would do different things, but they would spend some time alone. What I'm saying to say to us is it seems to me that Jesus thought it was pretty important to have a certain place to go to when you just needed to go along with God. Do you have that place? Jesus thought it was important. And if Jesus thinks it's important, then I ought to be thinking it's important. I have my little place that I go. Well, where is it, Brother Mike? I ain't telling you. It's a secret place where I just get along with God. Isn't it good just to get along with God? Just you and God. And, and notice here, going back to Matthew 6, uh, Jesus again rebuking them and he's talking about their repetition and, you know, and all the word usage and whatnot like that. And some people say, well, how do you pray? Do you have to have, and, and there's this uh, thing about having a, uh, some think you have to have a prayer language. Well, where do you get that out of the Bible? Your prayer language is the language that you speak. See, God understands English, Spanish, all the languages of the world. He doesn't have any problem interpreting. So don't think you have to come up with a special language. Your prayer language is the language that you speak. And by the way, don't think you have to have some certain flowery words or eloquent speech. You just talk to him like he's your best friend. Because he is. It's amazing to me. And I'm not here to pick on anybody. I'm not here to uh, just, you know, I'm just here just, just voicing what I'm seeing here in the text. It's, it's amazing to me where, you know, somebody will be talking to you and they're talking and they say, hey, how's things going? Oh, you know, things are like And, you know, talking back and forth. And then if you happen to ask them to pray, their voice changes. Hey, brother, Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I don't know, man. How's things going? All oh, things have been going pretty good. How's your family? Okay. And then when we're asked to pray, especially in public, Oh, Heavenly Father, they're all great. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that. But why do you have to change the way you speak? God hears your prayers and he doesn't care if you have the British accent or if you have this or that. All he's wanting is to hear from your heart. And we, have to, we need a secret place for that. But then notice also, as he talks about, Jesus said he was by himself. He said he had a, a secret place as well that we go on and see that as he's rebuking them and telling them that they don't need to be uh, being seen. Now, what we understand tonight is, what is our motivation for praying? The same way you pray in private should be the same way you pray in public. And sometimes, 
Sometimes we think that we have to have the right words and just pray from your heart. And, and so here and, and we, we see that uh, this disciple. Now, understand, this disciple heard something in Jesus praying that he hadn't heard before. Understand, he's growing up, and, uh, he, he's, he's, and he knows how the scribes, he sees the Pharisees. By the way, if you still go to Israel, you'll see the same thing still going on as went on in Jesus' day. And, 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 here, uh, and, and so this disciple is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Boy, his praying's a lot different than the ones I've been hearing. The ones I've been hearing with, were just repetition. The, the ones that I saw praying made sure, and, and they'll still do it today, they made sure they're in the most public spot. Why? Because they want to be seen. Not only that is that we need to be careful, and I'm not saying that Jesus is against public praying. No, not at all. You missed the boat here. But what I am saying is that when we have an opportunity to pray in public or is it in private, wherever it may be, we don't have to put on a show. Jesus says, don't pray like they do because they're a bunch of hypocrites. But notice as he goes on, uh, we have Matthew uh, chapter 6. We see that uh, Jesus uh, is uh, uh, here again. The disciples understood Old Testament praying. Now, understand, let's go back. In the Old Testament, it seems, it seems that God was unapproachable. And we know that because when you went to look at the tabernacle and going into the temples, that you had the various courts and only certain people could be in that section and they could go no further. There were barriers. We also see it in the design from the holy place into the holy of holies. There was a curtain that separated and only the high priest could go in. We see it in the way uh, why they came up with various names because they understood that he was a holy God. But it seems, it appears that when you come in the Old Testament and this is where they're coming out of, they've heard the scribes, they've heard the Pharisees and they've been to the tabernacle, they've been to the temple and everywhere they looked, it seemed there were barriers. It was almost like God could not be approached. But that's not true. Because when you go into the Old Testament, you'll see by their praying and the word usage there, they understood. Now, the, the Pharisees and the religious elite may be a different uh, viewpoint, but the, the regular folk came to understand that when they called upon God, He would hear them. I was thinking about that. Now, um, I do not know these people. I'm still trying to get uh, by their house, but I do know this. They're Hindus. And we know that because as you go by their house, they have a large plate window. And uh, Rebecca's the one that told me because she gets out a little bit earlier. I won't go with the reason why she gets out a little bit earlier than I do, but you know, it's a long story. But uh, uh she, she came home and, uh, one night and uh, uh, one day and she says, I think those people that live 
And she told me where they live. I think they're Hindus or something. I said, why do you say that? She said, well, this morning, she said, I went by their house, and she says, the man was kneeling down. And I said, okay, I mean, that could be a lot of things. She says, no, and I saw some kind of a shrine-looking thing on the wall, and, and then she said it had candles. And, and I said, how did you see all of this? Did you stop in front of the house and like <laughs> stared into it or something like that? She said, no, I went by and I, I saw that. She said, she said, I saw it a couple mornings, but I thought the guy was painting the living room. You know, he was down and she says, then I saw his wife. And, and, and I said, and she said, it's about the same time every morning. And she says, they're kneeling down to that. So I got a little curious. And I kind of strode down through there, and uh, I looked, and, and it is. It's a little shrine. And I said, they're Hindus. <laughs> but what I found out is that they have a particular time that they pray. We also see it in the evening. Yeah, we're, we're weird. We just drive around our neighborhood seeing what our neighbors are doing. And I said... Well, they have certain times of the day, you know, was talking about that. And I said, you know what's sad about that? Is they're praying to a God that cannot hear. They're praying to a God that can't do a, a blessed thing for them. It's just some kind of a shrine. But here's what I've learned. Having said all that, they're intentional in their praying. Some of you, maybe you work with them. We get up in the uproar because they'll make provisions for Muslims to have their prayer rugs. And that's another story for another day. And, but here's one thing that you have to give them credit for. They're intentional. You know, they're praying to a guy that can't do anything. When I was going to Israel on the plane... Our Jewish friends, they get up and they go and do all that kind of, you know, do all that. And, and I'm thinking, you got to hand this to them. They're intentional. And the God that they're praying is a God that cannot save them. How much more should we be an intentional in our praying to a God who can do something and who will answer our prayers. I don't know about you tonight, but aren't you glad that when you pray to the Lord Jesus, not only do you know He hears you, but He's going to act. And so here, coming out, now remember, we're setting the stage, all right? Next week we're going to build upon this. But, so we're setting the stage. So here we see Jesus twice in Matthew 6 and Luke chapter 11. Uh, that he's, uh, He says, uh, one asked him a question, the other one he wasn't asking the question. Same framework, same prayer. And then we see that the ones that are hearing him prayer, they recognize that he prays differently than the other ones that we've heard to pray. And we see that in the Old Testament it seemed like God was unapproachable. But when you go to the Psalms, you will see that was not the case. Now, this is how we're going to close tonight out, but we're going to be in the Psalms. So just go ahead and get into the book of Psalms. 
And the first one that we're going to look at tonight is Psalms number uh, 50. Psalms 50, look at verse number 15. Psalms 50, verse number 15. This is a psalmist, and notice his prayer. Oh, here, he's reference here is God. It says, uh, the Lord speaking here, it says, call upon me. Now, this is out of the Old Testament, right? God is saying, call upon me. He, he's, he's pleading with them. I want to hear from you. He says, call upon me in time of trouble. You in trouble? You been in trouble? He says, well, no, no, everything's going pretty good. Well, you're going to be in trouble. Job says, the days of a man are short, but they're full of trouble. I'm talking to a congregation that if you have not had trouble, you're fixing to go into trouble or you just came out of trouble. We all have trouble. But here, notice here, God, and it's the same God, and the Old Testament says, call upon me. So it would help me to understand when I'm praying, I need a call upon him. I need a call upon him when I'm in trouble. And I stay in trouble. Uh, it's not uh, just a short period of time uh, when I don't have any trouble. So that helps me to understand that I need to call upon Him when I'm in trouble. But my dear friend, we also need to recognize the fact tonight is we also need to call on Him before we get in trouble. By the fact, if we call upon Him before we get in trouble, it seems that our trouble is not quite as severe. Isn't it amazing? That the time that we call out to God, I mean intentional, intense, I mean we're begging God, is usually when we're in trouble. Here he wants us not to only call upon him in times of trouble, he wants to call on, on him when we're not in trouble. But then we also see the Psalms 91 in verse number 15. Here it says, call on me and I will answer. This is God speaking. And he's speaking uh, out of the psalmist. He says, call upon me and I will answer. We need to understand, and we're going to see it as we go and, and dig a little bit more into this uh, prayer, is that God wants to hear from his people. And God wants to answer the prayers of his people. That, that's the, there's no questions about that. He says, call upon me and I will answer. But notice in Psalms 24, verses 3 through 4. And this is where sometimes we have a little problem. He says in that psalm, he says, Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who will stand in the holy place? So the psalmist is talking. He's asking a question, is he not? He says, who is able to stand in the presence of God? Now, on the Old Testament, the only one that could stand in the presence of God was the high priest. But we understand because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we are now a royal priesthood. And now the Bible tells us that we can step into the throne room of grace 
with no barriers, with no one to have to go between, that we can go in boldly to him and be in his presence and ask him before a holy, righteous God, God, this is what I'm crying out to you about today. But notice the psalm goes on. He answers his own question. Who can stand in the presence of God? Then he gives the answer. One with clean hands and a pure heart. That's the only way you can approach a holy God. And so we need to be very careful as we're going to the time of prayer that we need to make sure that we are qualified to come into his presence. So what we have to do is... We have to pray a prayer before we can talk to him. And here's our prayer. Lord, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart. And what does that mean? That means that I have to confess my sin. That means I have to repent of my sin. See, we can't just flippantly say, as we're driving down I-40, and say, all right, Lord, here I am. Here's what I need from you today. That's not how you come into the presence of a holy God. The first thing you better do is, God, my hands are dirty. I need cleansing. Lord, my heart is not right. I need to be purified. Oh, God, I confess my sins. And God, I want to come into your presence but I know I can't come into your presence unless I get my act together and I come into the right presence and so I come before you tonight with clean hands and a pure heart and then you have the wonderful privilege to step in and have a little talk with Jesus I don't do enough praying I'm not here to, you know, be boastful about it. I don't do enough praying. And I dare say, if you were honest tonight, you don't do enough praying as well. So as we start this new year that we're already well into, why don't tonight we just make a commitment? I'm going to talk to my Lord more. I'm telling you, and we're going to see as we go on through this prayer, we're going to see it will have powerful effects. It pleases God when His people call upon Him. He wants to hear from us. He's our Heavenly Father. Now, I know I talk about my grandkids way too much, but y'all are kind of mouthy about yours too, so... But I love to have my phone ring and it's one of my grandboys. Papa, what you doing? Oh, I'm doing, what are you doing? And then they'll go and go, you know. Okay, Papa, I just wanted to hear from you. Bonk. Why is that? Because I'm their Papa. They love their papa. And they want to talk to their papa. I may see them that whole day. And before night falls, one of them will be calling me. And then the one that, uh, I got the two-year-olds. They, they, sometimes it's, you have to have an interpreter speaking in tongues and all this other stuff. But I know it's them. and they'll go, all, all I'm listening for is papa. 
Papa. Don't you think our Heavenly Father likes to hear from us? He likes to hear us say, Father, I just want to talk to you. I really love it when my grandkids call me and they don't want anything. Don't you think our Heavenly Father likes to hear from us sometimes when we just don't want anything? We just want to say we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for how you've worked in my life. wonder what our church would be like in this year of 2018 if we all got serious about our praying. And we all spent more time with our Jesus in our prayer closet, our certain place, and we're crying out to Him, Father, don't want anything today. Just letting you know, I thank you for what you have given me.